eventually gave the movie an X, which would have made it very difficult to distribute or promote. Director Craven made three different desperation cuts in the film last week, but the MPAA held fast to its X rating and refused to tell Craven exactly what it objected to. So let's try to guess. Shocker is about a homicidal maniac who not only survives his execution in the electric chair, he seems to actually get a charge out of it. And now the good news, after some more diddling with the movie, Craven has pared Shocker down into a version that's acceptable to the MPAA, which has finally awarded the film an R rating, meaning that it will open as scheduled on October 20th, just in time for Halloween. No more Mr. Nice Guy. Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent, here with Kevin, Kat, and Dave. Hello. 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 Hi. Follow us on Instagram at Speak All Evil Pod, October 30th at the Ophodian Theater, 7 p.m. It's the second annual Speak All Evil presents Halloween film screening and costume party. This year, we are showing Reanimator. 1985 Stuart Gordon Splatter Classic, 7 p.m. October 30th, Ophodian Theater, five bucks. We'll get there early. We'll have a little costume party mixer. We'll have a costume contest. Best costume, we'll walk home with something. I had a bunch of people from last year that were mad that they didn't win the costume contest. Well, you've got another, you've got one more chance. No, I had the best costume. You didn't even look at me. <laughs> Here's, I'm not trying to, here's the thing. We hosted another event and I think I would have won had I not been in the podcast. I think I would have won that, uh, that prize. So I'm trying to say. Which costume? Uh, well, you could, you're talking about Bride of Frankenstein? No, I'm talking about the other one that we hosted. Yeah, but what uh, was your costume? It was Elvira. Oh, yeah, that was good. I definitely would have won, right? If I hadn't been in the podcast, I would have won that $500. So I'm just saying. I feel like mine was pretty strong if we're talking about, I think you know. all of our costumes <laughs> were way better than anyone that entered any wow. competition. Wow. I'm just saying. You're not talking about our competition. You're talking about the the other one that we did. The other one that we won't mention because. Why? We haven't been invited to anything else, but I'm just saying <laughs> I would have won not, that one. So maybe I should have quit like a day before and then come back and been like, I'm here. Haven't gotten the call yet from Dean on that one. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Mid September. Right. I don't know if that call's coming. Probably you, not. Did you know what my costume was last year? Could did you could you tell? Uh the first night you were a ghost. I know that. Three sheets to the wind. Oh, God, Jesus. Anyway, October 30th, 7 p.m., five bucks. More info to come. Uh, Kevin's in Australia this week. Thanks, Kevin. I am. Yeah. It's amazing. This is a uh, first time. It's great. Oh, you have. This is your first time. Yeah, I've never been to Australia. So, yeah. Oh, because you. Yeah, there was a weeks. chance. There was a oh, chance yeah. you could have gone last year and that it didn't happen. That's what I, I keep thinking that you went. You know, I went to Singapore. So this is, um, yeah, trying to podcast from all over the world. That's the goal. Do you guys see the uh, the teaser for Thanksgiving? The Eli Roth's yeah. Thanksgiving? It looks more serious than I had thought. 
Can, can you guys yeah, hear me? Yeah, yeah. I can hear yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> no one responds to anything I say. <laughs> you don't have the room. You know what I mean? You don't have the room working yeah. with you. Kevin, do you know about this um, the Strangers trilogy that's coming, apparently being released next year? Three films uh, rebooting the Strangers franchise? No. I You're the Strangers not. guy. You don't know about, about this. this. Apparently, no. uh, there's there's going to be a Strangers trilogy, a rebooted trilogy, and it, it sounds like all three films are going to be released next year. Interesting. Wow. Who is it like Brian Bertino behind it? Like who's behind it? Uh, I don't know. The director is going to be Rennie Harlan, who directed um, Nightmare on Elm wow. Street Four, okay. uh, Die Hard Two, and Deep Blue Sea. Older guy. Yeah. That's that's all the we know right now. I guess they're they're doing something at the um, New York City Comic Con in October, so they just dropped this teaser about. I did. Uh, I did make it out to a movie while I've been here. I did go see the Nun too. Oh wow! And how was it? Uh it's about what you'd expect. So good. It's well made. Uh, low stakes, manufactured scares. That's about it. You know. But uh, it was fun. I mean, it was a movie theater full of uh, locals that were just like hooting and hollering. So it was a good time. It's nothing. Uh, I mean, if you didn't like the first one, you're definitely it's not worth the second time around. But yeah, it looks great. And, you know, I mean, it's just another the Conjuring movies to me are becoming a little bit like um, just very, very low stakes in terms of like, I know nothing bad's going to happen to anyone important in this movie. So Give me that's, some jump scares, and then that's one of the we'll problems. Sing, yeah, we'll all sing "Kumbaya" at the end, and all yeah. right. We talked about Winnie the Pooh, Blood and the Honey briefly last week. The sequel has been greenlit. It's or it's past greenlit. They they um, shared a production teaser, a still image of Tigger. Tigger's oh. going to be in this one. Jesus Christ! So Not a fan. be on be on the lookout for that. I shan't. <laughs> yeah. This hurts my poor little soul. I can't. I can't. We can't. This this whole like top of the show bit is really is hard remote. Can't get any, <laughs> can't get any traction. What's that, Dave? Is this thing on? No, it's on, Dave. <laughs> yeah. you, just, you stop before the mic cuts you. You make a noise. The mic cuts to you for one second, and then you go like that, and it cuts back away to us. I think. <laughs> We all texted before this, Dave, and we we're like, everyone just periodically ignore Dave. This week, Wes Craven, one of the most influential, most important horror filmmakers of all time. Unquestionably, I was thinking today, I, I don't think there's a horror filmmaker who has changed the game and reinvented the genre as many times as Wes Craven. I would give him three genre reinventions with Last House on the Left, Nightmare on Elm Street, the original, and Scream, and then a ton of great movies in between those. And, uh, you know, some not-so-great ones, too. He's made a lot of movies. Mm -hmm. And so what better way to, to honor Wes Craven? I don't think we've done a Wes Craven episode before. This is the way to do it. We're going to talk about two of the, the much, much, much lesser Wes Craven films, two of the bottom of the barrel. I made a mistake. <laughs> I think we can all agree. Oh, I thought it was intentional. It right now, I made a mistake. I thought you were mad I at us. It wasn't intentional. I just thought it would be fun to pick a couple of uh, Wes Craven films that we hadn't talked about. 
just well, like, I'm sorry in advance. No, I thought you were. Awful. I thought you were saying let's dive into the ones that you would nobody would ever talk about or ever bring up. I thought that was kind of the angle this week. Yep, that's definitely what I was going for, and um, <laughs> I think it worked out really well <laughs> in my favor. Beginning with the 1985 made-for-TV thriller called Chiller. After dying and being cryogenically frozen for 10 years, corporate executive Miles Creighton's icy chamber malfunctions, bringing him out of his frozen state and forcing the doctors to work their advanced technological magic to bring him back to life. To everyone's surprise, the procedure is a success, and Miles returns, but he's missing one thing, his soul. Now, I didn't realize before I picked it that this was a made-for-TV movie. Mm. But you know what? We've had some great made-for-TV horror movies. It, that was one of them, for instance. Unfortunately, this was not one of those instances. This movie drags with seemingly zero plot besides this man is mean now it's very predictable there's never really any gasp moments if you will um it's more of a psychological thriller zone so there's really no no gore or like cool deaths it's just a dude acting like he's like a normal like shitty corporate executive like an 80s corporate executive like a like a money talks kind of a guy but also, he's cool to the touch. Ooh, he's so cold. Oh, my God. So creepy. Ooh. That's why it's, it's called like, Chiller. Yeah. No, thank you. I guess the one part that would be interesting to me would be that when you die, your soul leaves you. Okay. Heard. Sounds cool. But even that was just like, okay, well, we got that at the beginning. So what now? And at first, I liked the ending. You know, other people are going to come back too. Ooh. But then you like think for a second and you circle back and you're like, not really, because the doctor said it was like a medical miracle to bring this guy back from his cryogenic state anyway. So, how are they going to bring all those other people that were malfunctioning back? Maybe had it been made for a theatrical release, it would have had like a bigger budget and then maybe. Maybe more gore, maybe more cool deaths. But even then, the plot and the script would have been the same. So, uh, yeah. Well, speaking of low stakes, I think the biggest problem is I don't know who this guy was before he was cryogenically frozen. So I don't really care. Was he like a super awesome dude before? And now I'm supposed to be like emotionally invested because now he's creepy. Was he always a dick? Sounds like he comes from money probably a dick uh but it was <laughs> in my entire history of the podcast i have never not watched a film but i do have something that i have to admit so upon like 20 something hours of flights where i easily could have watched this movie i did not it's been almost two weeks i've been in australia i've had many a night in my hotel could have ripped off this 85 minute gem i waited until this morning and i did hit the fast forward 10 seconds button about 150 times and that's about um all you need to know about chiller 
That being said, this is a fun week for me because I didn't know this movie existed at all. I'd never heard of it, probably because it was made for TV and probably because everyone involved with it doesn't want you to know about it. It definitely hasn't received any sort of resurgence. There definitely hasn't been, to my knowledge, any reissues or any remastering since the version on Prime looks like it was recorded off my grandmother's TV in 1985. But it was kind of a blast to see people like Paul Sorvino, Beatrice Strait, uh, some some well-known people take a stab at this. At one point, I'm watching Beatrice Strait, who plays uh, Miles, our, our cryogenically frozen and then, you know, thought out guy, plays the mother. And at one point, I'm watching her and I'm like, man, she's just really overacting. And then it kind of hit me. No, she's just a good actor around a bunch of really bad TV actors. So she's just <laughs> like playing this straight. And performing her craft. And it looks like she's overacting because everyone else is fucking terrible. Paul Sorvino, who would go on to be a legend, you know, especially playing like gangsters and cops and all this stuff. He's terrible in this, but you have the dialogue to blame. I do love a little bit of the history of this movie, which I'm sure we can get into. But there's just so many bad bad dialogue sequences where they're trying to dig into like the faith versus science and where does the soul go and what happens there. That are just poorly delivered, but um, probably a movie that was more fun to read about how it got made and all the thoughts on it than it was to actually experience. Well, I had the opposite viewing experience that you did. So like two weeks ago, when I found out that these are going to be our movies, I dug right into them and I watched <laughs> the other one. And I thought that this movie was going to be along those lines. Uh, I, I pictured like, Sub-Zero from Running Man or Arnold Schwarzenegger as like Mr. S- Mr. Freeze in Batman. <laughs> I wish. Uh, that, that's what Chiller would be. He'd be shooting icicles out of his palms. And so I was relieved kind of that it wasn't that because after watching the other one, man, I needed to be brought back to reality a little bit. Kevin, you're totally right. This is very grandma's house. I feel like I'm just sitting on the floor and my grandmother's watching this, but she's actually asleep, but she's pretending to be awake. Uh, (laughs) Coming back from cryogenic death, frozen death makes you a shrewd businessman. That's kind of weird. It's not really more evil than that. People are dying and, you know, someone is kind of doing stuff, but he's never really like choking or stabbing or doing anything like that. It's always just kind of like he lets them die or I don't know. There's a few precarious situations, but you definitely get the feeling that they play it very safe for television. But I did find the story a little bit more interesting than the other one. At least it was a little bit more honed in as far as not being over the top and ridiculous, which Wes Craven came from really, really serious, dark stuff that's actually scary, that's actually disturbing to this fantasy land. And he's gone everywhere. You know what I mean? So I really didn't know what to expect. I like the mommy in denial of her bad kid, which is always, you know, I guess it is Wes Craven, bottom of the barrel week. But if there was one that I liked better than the other one, it would probably be chiller. I really liked, (laughs) I think what sold it for me is you guys, I don't know if you knew this about me, but I really like puns. And there was a lot of puns throughout this otherwise very serious tone. And they would just drop these puns in there like, 
okay, are you just saying cold shoulder right now? Like, no one's winking. What's going on? <laughs> I, mean, I wouldn't recommend this to anyone. Um, I'm glad we watched it because, uh, you know, I want to know everything that's out there as bad as it gets, as good as it gets, whatever. Oh, you guys are um, a real pack of bummers. I thought this was a really fun one and a pretty damn good TV movie. And I'm, I'm surprised that this doesn't have more of a cult discovery. I didn't I didn't know that Wes Craven directed four movies for TV. He didn't write any of these. This was written by the guy that wrote um, a made-for-TV movie called Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. You guys heard mm-hmm. of that one? Now, that one has some cult following. Yeah. I've never seen Dark Knight of the Scarecrow, but J.D. Feigelson or something like that. I had a great time watching this. Now, I will, I will say, first of all, Cat, there's no good copy of this on the entire internet. I mean, this is the worst looking movie that we've seen on the show. It's it's it doesn't matter where you watch it. It's an old VHS transfer or something. You can't even see people's facial expressions, Kath. I mean, that's you know, it's one thing to watch a shot on video, low budget. We've watched plenty of that stuff, even something like Home Sweet Home with Body by Jake from like 82 or whatever. Now that looked bad, but you can't I'm, I'm see- doing a I'm doing a video conference from Australia right now, and you guys look better than the movie chiller. You can't see people's faces now. So now that aside, I just we should be able to like see the movie. I really thought this was fun, and I'm going to say this to all of you. I think if this did have a cult following, like Dark Knight of the Scarecrow, and you could go online and see a bunch of people saying it's a great cult TV movie. You guys would like it more. That's the problem here. This doesn't have that. Oh, come on. Yeah. You, got, the yeah. you guys are missing out. You guys are missing out on a very, very fun time, a very uh, well paced, very fast. Uh, I was surprised you thought it was slow cat. I thought it clipped right along. What's that? Have you ever watched Lifetime or the Hallmark Channel or anything like that? Yeah, this is a made for yes, made for TV movie. We established that. I'm saying it's a good one. I thought it was really fun. I would actually remake this. I what I would do is I because I like the whole idea of it's kind of doing two things to me. It's trying to do like a Wall Street type of thing. It's the 80s. Wall Street guys are bad. The heartless corporate guys this heartless suits the first thing he does when he comes back from the dead is he he t- he tells the company no more charity contributions from the company none he wants to get to zero charitable contributions by the end of the quarter uh, but then also it's doing this thing about the soul and it, it's a it's a very strongly sort of faith based movie about the human soul and you know basically saying that a person is more than their physical body right and i think that's a, a cool idea to explore uh, and now this is just a silly TV movie, so it doesn't go as far as maybe you would like. But I still think that was cool. And I would do a remake of this, but instead of the cryogenic freezing, which is a little too much, I think, what I would have is I would have somebody die, like, on the operating table. You know how some people are, are like, clinically dead for however long? I would have them die on the operating table, and they're dead for whatever the record is, the longest that someone's been dead for, and come back, it would be, like, twice that. And it would be a crazy miracle but they would be like this. This is like a human pet cemetery. They come back. So you, so you want to just make, you want to want us to do flatliners next week? Yes, exactly. Remake this, maybe just remake flatliners. Fun one, <laughs> fun one. I think this is worth, I kind of want to see the other, the other made for TV movies that he made. Wow. I don't know why, why you don't like yourself so much, but 
I would strongly, strongly disagree with the fact that I would like this movie more just because I read some cult classic movies uh, on it. Or maybe maybe it was on an episode of Mystery Science Theater 3000. This is pretty bad. There's a reason it's not a cult classic. A well, lot you... of shit slips through the cracks to cult classic status. This well, just for example, not one of them. For, for example, you, you're saying that the actors, the you know, this says crappy TV actors. But I mean, we watch movies every week from the 80s that have crappy TV actors or even sub TV actors. So I would say the acting in this is not any different than like The Burning or The Prowler or whatever. It's not like those are those all movies are all bad acting. Those movies are winking at you and they're having a good time. This movie is not. And it even misses times when it could. Uh, like the fact like Paul Sorvino is dragged by a car. This being driven by miles. They missed the opportunity to be like, oh, yeah, well, you know, he went a few miles. Oh, miles. <laughs> oh, like there's just opportunities yeah. missed here. You're dinging it for un unused puns now. <laughs> I'm on Dave's side this week. You mentioned like the writer and you also mentioned Craven's legacy, you know, sort of having like multiple revivals. And I don't know if we if we brought this up in any of the other Craven episodes that we've done, or at least movies that have, have popped up on episodes. I never realized his real tenuous relationship with horror, that he often tried to get out of the horror genre. And uh, he wasn't the first director for this. I can't remember who, uh, maybe Carpenter or somebody was supposed to do this I think one. you're right, yeah. But the producer of this was a guy named Richard Kobritz, who was coming off of Salem's Lot which I actually think with Toby Hooper, which I think is one of the best King adaptations. And that was a made for TV thing. Yeah. Um, and he yeah. would go on, he would go on to do like Christine with John Carpenter. And they really thought they had something here. I think they really thought that they, you know, had a, a scary thought provoking. And like you mentioned, Trent, like we're right in the heart of like Reaganomics and like all this stuff. They exactly. really thought they had something here. I, yeah. I think that they just, they just missed it. I just, I just thought it. it was it was like to me it was like a Twilight Zone episode or something. It was like a kind of a yeah. goofy or even the creep show against that that kind of. To me, it was that kind of thing, and I, I like a classic, a classic tales of terror. The guy comes back, but he has no soul. You know, like to me, that's. I'd watch a thirty-minute Twilight Zone episode of this. <laughs> Um, well, I, I pretty much did because I was fast forwarding, but that probably would have landed a lot better. And then. You want the ultimate missed opportunity for this movie, puns aside, and the people involved. Stan Winston did the effects. You had Stan Winston doing the effects for this, and there are like two effects in the entire I, movie. It was a quick day. That was the fastest money he ever made. <laughs> yeah. We really could have used him on the next flick, let me tell you. Uh, I like when uh, when the chiller kills that guy. He he kills a guy, an old uh, kind of out of shape guy, just by making him climb so many stairs. <laughs> then he dies yeah. at the top. Well, what does this guy do? Like, he's just mean to everybody. He's like killing people by being mean. Yeah, like, that's funny. I mean, I think the I think the only actual victim is the dog gets it. He kills the dog, and then everything else is just like I was literally trying to figure out how that that guy died, and I was he, like, he just kept walking upstairs. See, I thought it was funny. I thought a lot of it was funny. The mom. The woman that he tries to seduce, he wants to hire her as his like personal assistant or whatever. It, it, and then I, it did get very dark when Paul Servino goes to visit her and she's got the the big black eye. I was like, God damn, this is this guy is a real fiend. This chiller. That kind of was what got me into the movie is how extreme 
that part of it was. Yeah. The whole date and everything was so he didn't try to be nice once. He was like the devil. Yeah. Uh, I thought that maybe after that it would ramp up to get a little bit more evil. Uh, I mean, like the thing with the stairs, like that's like my kid does that to me. She like signed <laughs> me up for marathons and I just like smoked for 30 years before takes all my money, all that stuff. You know, he's not, I mean, I didn't think he was as bad as he could be if he had really no soul. It's, it's definitely, he's TV bad. He he's, it is for TV and that, you know, this is obviously for Wes Craven. This is, you know, a lot more chill than a lot of his stuff. Is. We've Sometimes, taken more we've taken ahead. more advantage of these opportunities in 30 minutes than they did in, in an entire 85 minute film. Sometimes dead is better, you know? That's oh this better. human this is the human cemetery. Cemetery of souls. I, oh. Get out I of there. Thought, it's no Mr. Freeze. It's a melodrama. <laughs> I just thought going into it, it would be a spooky, icy situation. But no, it's just a cold dude. I thought there would be like some spooky shit going on. Oh, I, I do have some a question shit. for you guys. And maybe you can, maybe you noticed this too, Kat. Uh, in the beginning, when it shows the, the lab where all the cryogenic people are sleeping it, and it starts to go haywire, it shows, does it not show a lumbering a creature that looks like a swamp thing or something? It shows a creature's feet walking through the the cryogenic room and then it never mentions that again you guys didn't see oh. that i didn't hmm. notice the feet interesting well was this a saboteur was this a saboteur trying to saboteur that's what i thought it was thing? yeah well yeah i, I i'm sure because i i checked it again there somebody is in i went back there's creepy feet there's creepy feet in the lab before the well you know, not to spoil the ending for anyone, but, you know, at the end, all of the other, you know, cryogenic containments start to fail. And so that that's when everyone's Love like, it. oh, oh, the ending know? is so good. The ending, though, spoiler, I mean, is exactly the same as the sixth sense. I see dead people. OK, I. I <laughs> oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> all of this starts because the mom can't accept the death of her son. All these movies always go back to people not being able to accept death. So that's why she has him frozen and everything. And cause, cause she's begging people for, to do something, anything to try to save her son. And then at the end of the movie, when Paul Servino's character is still in the hospital from getting dragged from miles by uh, miles, she says to that same doctor, isn't there anything we can do? And he says, yes, there is. We can pray. Yeah. Boom! I love that. And then, and then it goes to the the lab. And now, uh oh! Now all the other alarms are going off. Again, very Twilight Zone. I just, I thought it was just cheesy, classic cheesy tales of terror stuff. Uh, if you are going to watch this, just watch it on YouTube. It's it's free on YouTube. It's the exact same print or whatever that you're going to see everywhere else. They're all absolutely terrible. <laughs> No mere mortal can resist the evil of a chiller.
Our next pick for the worst of Wes Craven week, (laughs) 1989's Shocker. A murderous TV repairman, Horace Pinker, is killing people in a small town left, right, and center. He eventually finds the home of the lieutenant who's been investigating his crimes and savagely murders his wife, son, and daughter. His other son, Jonathan, has a strange connection to Pinker through his dreams, and he directs his father to Pinker's business, where a small group of officers enter. Pinker escapes in a horrific spree, killing four officers and then targeting Jonathan's girlfriend, Allison. Another dream leads Jonathan and his dad to a residence where they catch Pinker in the act of a kidnapping. Pinker is arrested after a fight with Jonathan and sentenced to die in an electric chair. When executed, Pinker takes over people's bodies and continues committing murders until Jonathan devises a plan to bring Pinker into the real world and then cut off his power source. To all the listeners out there, if I were you, if you haven't seen this movie, what I would do is just take that very long synopsis that I just said, think about it, picture what it would look like, play the whole thing out in your head, and then not watch this movie. (laughs) (sighs) Drop the mic. I've just saved you all from a very boring and weirdly paced and overacted and stupid, stupid movie. <laughs> I would say that I, I think the plot could be interesting for sure. And listen, I love me a Mitch Pelegi. I think that's how you say it. AKA assistant director Skinner from X-Files. Big X-Files fan. It was just so, it was just so extra. And not in the way that I usually like, not in the way that I wanted. I might be being overcritical here because I usually like, huh? No, I don't think you can be. I, I don't think you can be. Thank you. Thank you so much. I usually like over the top horror movies, but what got me with this one is that the vibe that I got from it is that it 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 tried to be so so serious, and I kept trying to be like, they know that they're being ridiculous like there's no way that they're trying to be like a serious horror movie but no i just kept being i felt reminded again and again uh one thing i did enjoy in this movie was the weird um armchair with the eyes when it was possessed by that one guy that was cool i was it was was pretty creepy i like the practical effects of of that situation i was into it but other than that it just kind of let me down once we got to the scenes of them running through the uh, the TV, different like channels and stuff, it just lost me. It was like, but they were being serious. They were trying to be That's a serious only, film. It's the only part that had me. Oh, yeah. But it was so bad. <laughs> I couldn't help but laugh, but not in the way that I wanted to laugh. It did not come together at all. Nothing cohesive about this film. I think I would give, I don't know what, I didn't even look at Rotten Tomatoes, but I can't imagine it was very good. I would give this film like one and a half stars out of 10. Speaking of Rotten Tomatoes, there's a great story. I don't know if anybody saw this story about studio um, publicity companies gaming Rotten Tomatoes, which, uh, you know, if you've been paying any attention, if you've ever like looked closely at that, you know that Rotten Tomatoes is gamed often, but they're talking about production or, or promotion companies that have rosters of 
their bloggers and their reviewers. And some of them, there's allegations of payments, which in and of itself is not against the law, apparently. But they'll have they'll ask them if they don't like the movie to publish it on their site that Rotten Tomatoes doesn't count. And if they do like the movie, publish it on the uh, on their site that Rotten Tomatoes does count. And there's a lot more gaming that goes on to it than that. But this is why one of the many reasons I, I say don't use Rotten Tomatoes, uh, except once in a while, maybe you should look at Rotten Tomatoes. When a movie has like 150 reviews and all of them and everyone on the whole internet all says this is like the worst shit ever. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I think that you could probably count on the worst shit ever. This is just absolutely god awful, atrocious. I blame drugs and alcohol for sure. I think that Wes Craven was absolutely no question in my mind. He was uh, drinking and he was drugging and he thought he was making the new Freddy. I don't know if this is true, but I read that. Uh, he had sold the rights to Nightmare on Elm Street after the first movie. He wasn't interested in the sequels, didn't expect it to be what it was. And so he had he was getting nothing from from that franchise. He he offered some ideas up for the third one. But it, from what I understand, uh, this was his attempt to redo it. And he would keep ownership of the shocker. And that would be his new Freddy. And he would be making the money. Obviously, it didn't work. Um, my God. But you can see how how it, what he's trying to do. Cat, your favorite scene, the armchair scene. Yeah, great scene from a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. All of a sudden, yeah. the shocker can just be a couch. That's what Freddy does. This, like All the good things about this are very signature Freddy moments. <clears throat> you know, yeah. the dream world, what's real, what's a dream, except it doesn't have any of the really the good things about Freddy. Uh, one of one of the many things I thought this was missing is like part of the whole point of of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies are the kids trying to convince adults to listen to them and believe them about the stuff that's going on and the adults don't and they're going so far as to arrest the kids for the murders and all this stuff. This doesn't even have that. All the adults are like, ah, so you saw him in your dream. Well, let's follow you to the guy's house. I mean, it's hard to know where to begin with how bad and how shitty this is. But the guy does, they make the shocker. He looks like Freddy because he has the the jumpsuit from the prison on it. It even has the, the middle section there, like Freddy's sweater, you know, where it has the checker. That would, that's where Freddy's stripes would be. Um, you got music supervision by Desmond Child. Raised my eyebrows in the credits. Oh, here's a renowned songwriter. Maybe some good music in this. Nope, wrong again. Megadeth covering Alice <laughs> Cooper is the highlight of that. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Timothy Leary is in this. I didn't know him. Him and Wes Craven must be friends. Timothy Leary, the acid guru. He's also in Night Visions, one of the TV movies that Craven directed. So there must be some connection there. He plays the TV preacher. Just total shit. And I thought if anything was good about this movie, it was before the guy turns into the shocker when he's just the murderer with a giant knife and he's just killing everyone. This, this kid's path i liked that was kind of cool but then he turns into the shocker and everything is just again compared to freddie he he tries to be like a wisecracking i think it is trying to be funny the guy like is like a wisecracking killer but instead of wisecracks it's just he just keeps saying asshole and like bastard i'll get you this time you son of a bitch but that's not a wisecrack just saying just saying asshole isn't a wisecrack yeah it has to be a joke Freddie would say, like, welcome to primetime, bitch, because she's, you know, in the TV. That's primetime. This guy just says, I'm going to rip your lungs out, you son of a bitch. And that's supposed to be a wisecrack? Fucking sucks. Terrible oh. movie. Brutal. He has some wisecracks. 
Well, they, I guess they didn't hire the pun writer for this one. No. <laughs> pun writer. The only thing I'd have to say after this week and looking through Wes Craven's entire catalog is that Wes Craven has paid his dues. He's worked in so many different budgets with so many different levels of actors, fantasy with real life stories, all this stuff. But what it looks like is he paid his dues to stay relevant through the times. And this one was a product of everyone being so excited about these really stupid digital effects, early, early digital effects, not CGI, just weird overlay camera stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it was terrible. It was cheap. I tried to like it. But like you said, Trent, like they didn't even have any good puns or any good things. Like you, they could have tied it more into electricity in, in a smarter way. Um, and then, you know, at one point he gets electrocuted. Uh, like I just, there's so many holes in everything <laughs> to do with this movie. I agree with you, Trent, with the beginning. Um, I did see some hope for it, but I thought that the, the character was just so annoying. Yeah. killer was so annoying that, and he was just so loud and boisterous and like, he was like a, a singer of a hardcore band. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Singer of a hardcore band, just yelling all the time. And he didn't really say anything. No. I had nothing, but uh, I dislike this one very much. Um, that's the only reason I gave Chiller any kudos at all was because I just came off this fucking piss poor attempt at it, <laughs> and it did make me hate Wes Craven um, because I feel like he got out of this slump. And I think you're right that it was drugs, Timothy Leary, acid trips. That all makes Leary. sense. All yes, that tracks. Yes. You're welcome. Well, I I was ready to come in this week uh, and really duke it out. And I was I was prepared to have Shockers back because I haven't seen this movie probably since I was like 11 or 12 years old. And I used to watch it all the time. I remember loving this movie and thinking that it was like super violent and just the coolest movie ever. I'm not going to be taking that stand this week. This is, I don't understand how I ever saw this movie and enjoyed it. I started it super pumped, like in that mode, like, all right, dude, you're going to watch this movie. You're going to have some great like memories and you're going to get it back. And then it started and I was like, this is an hour and 50 minutes long. Fuck. We're 48 minutes into this fucking movie before anything even happens to the killer. And I agree with you, Trent. I actually think that nothing should have happened to him. He was kind of a cool character before he started talking and praying to the gods of electricity. This is about as bad as it gets. This makes no sense. Like you guys have touched on a lot of things that don't make sense. And you're it's barely the tip of the iceberg, Peter Berg. His girlfriend dies and then comes back as a ghost and her necklace is magical. And he has a psychic connection to everybody in the world, like everybody in the movie. And I'm confused. Like both of these movies have weird adoptive foster situations. So I don't know if that's something that Craven really feels the need to like touch on. There's so many things wrong with it. <clears throat> and then at like an hour and like 20 or 30 minutes, I thought it was over. And then they go on another yeah. 20 minutes 
another whole 20 minutes. There's an entire second ending to this movie. And I was like, what the fuck is the point? And then everything has to have 80s metal in the background. I forgot about like Dave has a real thing about the early 2000s. Now everything is, you know, new metal. I really don't like a lot of these mid to late 80s movies where everything has to be Megadeth and and what's the the super group that did the that wrote a song called Shocker for this? The Dudes of Wrath, Paul Stanley from Kiss, Rudy Sarzo from White Snake, Tommy Lee playing drums. Like you've got like this super group they put together just to write a song called Shocker and be in this. I mean, they were probably paid in drugs. So yeah, I think this entire movie is drugs. I probably would only ever watch this movie again if you gave me a bunch of drugs. I am going to disagree, though. There are a couple zingers in this. You know, he does say finger licking good. Uh, I believe he's like cutting off someone's fingers or something and like sucking on them. Um, At some point, he. uh, It's a KFC commercial. (laughs) He breaks a guy's neck and says, I'm just looking for some head. And then the chair scene, which I I thought that was super. I laughed out loud at that scene. Like a chair suddenly has eyes. They're not even scary. (laughs) This is the worst one. He turns the chair and then he says, this Barca lounger is going to kick your ass, boy. The fu- Who says Barca lounger in like a murderous taunt? This might be the worst movie that we've watched on the podcast. It's up there. It's up there. Yeah, and I think it's because it makes me question somebody like a Wes Craven, Mitch Pileggi, who I think is a great actor, X-Files, lots of great roles after this. I don't like Peter Berg. I think he's a douche in real life and a shitty actor. So that's fine. This is three movies. It's a good, pretty good serial killer movie. And then it's like some weird movie about a with no rules to find about a serial killer that uses voodoo or something to be like a, I don't know, something. And then some weird third act of, I don't know, like emotional redemption or something. I don't know. Terrible. Well, you know, I like watching a movie that's like a time capsule and you kind of get a vibe and you kind of get nostalgic, even if it's really bad. I did just like laugh at a lot of the stuff through this, but you know, the time capsule watch is good until you get like three quarters through and you're like, fuck this. This is not, this is a vibe with all the metal and all that stuff, but I'm so over it, especially when they kind of beat it to death. Like they do this one. I'm betting that Kevin, the scene that you thought was the end. And I would think anybody would think, the scene when the the they're on the radio tower when the dad's hanging off the tower you know you go through this whole thing you're like my god this is the climax of the movie here you know this got to be the end and they like why what oh my god there's still a whole another thing now is he's electric now he's electric he wasn't electric before we haven't even gotten to coming out of the tv and stuff I'm like holy shit yeah i did like there was one scene there's one moment where with the remote, which the remote, the TV remote, the size of a can of beans are so big, but there's a, there's a moment like, it seems like it's going to be like a funny games, you know, it's going to do some sort of funny games type of thing, but that like everything else, like every promising moment in this movie is just thrown away. Like when he goes into the little girl's body, that's pretty funny. Okay. Oh, this could be funny. He's in the body of this young child. Innocent doesn't do anything with that. I mean, it's just, it's just thing after thing after thing. It's just fucking terrible. 
the ring at the bottom of the lake. What? Why is all of a sudden the ring is magic? What the fuck? Where'd that come from? Yeah, and the the effects are bad. Um, I did read apparently the the I don't even know the name, but the dude that was doing the effects had a nervous breakdown. So this is sort of where yeah. Raven's son sort of first got like a start, and I guess his son spent months and months redoing the effects and trying to get them to a passable state. That kind of lends even more credence to like your drugs theory, Trent, is of course the effects guy would have a nervous breakdown and Wes Craven was probably just all fucked up and was like, hey, kid, go fix this. It's funny. Um, I, yeah, I, I read a quote. The, the, I looked for quotes from Wes Craven about this movie. I couldn't really find anything. There's a quote where he talks about the effects and he wishes that he could redo the movie just so he could get the effects better, which seems like you'd want to get everything better. But <laughs> Uh, then I read a, a contemporary. It's funny. These things are funny because then I read a contemporaneous review from that time when it came out uh, from a mainstream publication. And it was like, the effects are dazzling. They save it. Saved by the dazzling effects at the end of the movie. So, you know, I don't know, no accounting for taste, I guess. When you were a kid, Trent, did you ever see this? No, I thought it looked stupid. Even as a kid, I thought it looked dumb. This is 89. I, I was not going to be fooled by this by that time. No. I was kind of fooled by it too. Like when it came up, I was like, oh, yeah, that movie. Like I was kind of at maybe it was just aimed toward kids because it kind of has like a cartoonish plot. It's like so stupid. It's cartoonish. Yeah. Now I, I kind of see it like a comic book a little bit. It was pretty bad that execution scene where they just stop the movie and it just becomes a video for a minute to Megadeth's cover of No More Mr. Nice Guy. It goes on for like a full minute. Ah, terrible. So before he's like electric, he can he can just take over anybody's body, right? Right, so which is kind of cool like, for a minute. Like, all right, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. Why did the people that he takes over, why do they still have his limp? I was, okay, I was going to ask the same question. Why do the people whose body that doesn't make any sense? He should be going into a new body, and then he doesn't have to have the limp. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Take a fucking jog, man. So like, dumb. Take advantage of that new leg. Drugs. Yeah, Drugs, man. So I, I did want to ask this though, because both of these movies, you know, Shocker, Chiller, and Shocker. Which one do you think had and or has the most potential? Chiller. 100% chiller so? should be remade. I'm going to remake chiller. Cla <laughs> okay. It's a classic. Right. It's a it's a simple simple classic style horror tale of terror and and choices and wrong choices and and the soul and all that. It, it's like a could be Charles Dickens story. Shocker makes there I mean take your pick there's 10 stories going on. None of them exactly. are done anything yeah. with so I don't see the potential so much in that. I liked how the ending was like the sixth sense. Shocking. <laughs> Anything else? I think, you know, in this instance, I think we're just here to, to warn people. When we were watching these movies, we we're all mentioning how like three quarters of the way through, it was just exhausting. It's like, this is going nowhere. I feel like now that's kind of us. Sure is Dave. <laughs> Next week. Two tragic romance horror movies, beginning with last year's Bones and All, which is on Prime right now. Also going to check out a South Korean movie from 2009 called Thirst, currently on Peacock.